This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. Visit the shop online at www.dancingyou-yarns.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining me back for episode 48. You might notice that my voice still sounds a little bit funny because, guess what, I got sick again. I hope this is the last time for this season. Before we get into today's show, I would like to start off by saying thank you. Not only do I want to say thank you to all of you listening for all of your kindness and support of the podcast, but I especially wanted to mention and thank a handful of podcast listeners and knitters for the very kind gifts I've received in the mail lately. Over the past few months, I've received a nice amount of beautiful knitting-related items. First of all, Kate Oates from TotToppers.com screen-printed me a green t-shirt with my Never Not Knitting logo on it that I just love. I wear it constantly around the house, and my husband refers to this shirt as my work uniform as if I have to wear it while knitting or podcasting. Also, recently, Jill Zielinski from Knitterella.com surprised me with this beautiful wood needle sizer with my logo carved into it from www.carrotsticks.etsy.com. It's not only such a handy item to have, because I use a needle sizer all the time, but I just love how this one is personalized. So thank you so much, Jill. The other presents I've received lately also have been entirely unexpected and were hand-knitted. And now this really means a lot to me. As a knitter who gives hand-knit gifts to others, I know how much time and thought goes into these knits. And it means so much that somebody would take the time to make me something. Because I am a knitter, I don't often receive hand-knit things from others. Maybe they feel that if I really wanted something, I would just make it myself. I don't know. It's actually been quite a while since I've received a handed item. I think the last time was for my daughter's baby shower, which was five years ago now. So this definitely was an unexpected treat for me. The first handed gift I've received as of late was from a local knitter, Patty, who I only met briefly just once before. I went to go visit a mutual friend of ours, and Patty was there visiting too, and she presented me with an Autumn Vines beret that she knit for me out of her very own hand-spun, and I was completely blown away by this. I thought that was so, so incredibly sweet. The other hand-knit gifts were from my knitting friend and podcast listener, Emily, and these gifts arrived in the mail just yesterday and I was so excited to open up this mysterious package. She knitted me this beautiful chocolate brown beret out of this really neat rustic wool and a pair of green felted slippers, which were the crocheted version of the French press knit slippers, which I really, really like. And they have these adorable owl buttons on them. Both are so cute. She put so much detail and thought into these gifts, and I couldn't love them more. I've been wearing the slippers practically non-stop since I opened the box. And I would be wearing the hat, only I haven't left the house, so 
it feels kind of funny to wear a hat inside. Also, besides the slippers and hat, she made a sweet little toy for my daughter. It's a tiny turtle whose head, tail, and legs can tuck under its shell. The pattern's called Tuck, and it was designed by Susan B. Anderson, and it's seriously adorable. So thank you so, so very much. I was so touched by these wonderful gifts that I just had to take a moment and thank these knitters for their thoughtfulness. And again, thank all of you listening for your continued support of the blog and podcast. I'm very grateful and I feel like one very fortunate knitter. I'm very happy to be able to give back to you listening by organizing and hosting the drawing giveaways that I do for each episode. There will be a new drawing announced at the end of this episode as always, but for now I'd like to announce the winner of last episode's giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the drawing blog post was entered to win a collection of patterns and yarn provided by Hannah Fettig of KnitBot.com. I randomly selected one of the commenters, and I'm happy to say that the winner is Rachel from Baltimore, Maryland. Congratulations. Please, Rachel, when you hear this, please contact me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com so that I can get your mailing address and ship this prize on out to you. Thank you to everyone who participated in the drawing. And now, on to today's show. Since I last recorded, quite a few things have happened in my knitting life. I'm still tirelessly working on new patterns. I've published one, the Oak Grove Mitts, as I talked about on the last episode, but I'm hoping to release five more patterns before February 15th, which is right before I head off to Stitches West. Yes, you heard me right. Five more patterns. A couple are almost ready to release. One is still being edited and test knit, and one still needs to be designed. I'm working so hard on these. I hope I get them done in time to show at the Stitches booth, and I really hope you like them. Once Stitches is over, I seriously am going to knit myself something very small, quick, and very, very fun as a reward for all of this hard work. That will be nice. I cannot wait. So, there will be lots of new patterns coming out soon that you can look forward to, and I'll be sharing more about each one of them as they are released. So, aside from knitting like a crazy person, last week I had the unbelievable privilege of attending the TNNA convention in Long Beach, California. TNNA stands for the National Needle Arts Association, and it's a convention for people in the industry. All of the yarn companies and publishers have booths showing off their new products, and shop owners come to see what there is and write orders, and designers come and check out the new yarns for inspiration. I went to go check out the convention because I've never been there before, it's not that far from where I live, and I've always heard so much about it. And let me just tell you, it was pretty amazing. First of all, it was super big with so much to see, like Stitches West. And that's always fun, in an overwhelming sort of way. But the really fun thing about TNNA were all of the people that were there. Yes, I was able to meet some of my favorite designers and knitters in person. 
Some that I got a chance to meet were Cookie A, Jess, Casey, Mary Heather, and Sarah from Ravelry, Laura Chow, Ysolda, Cerilia Rose, Courtney and Kate from The Fiber Company, and I even got to sit down and have a conversation face-to-face with Debbie Bliss. Now, where can you go and walk around and just happen to see Debbie Bliss quietly sitting at a table untangling yarn? When does that happen? I seriously had to do a double take. Oh, look, there's all the Debbie Bliss yarn. That can't be Debbie actually sitting there. No, no, that's not her. Oh my goodness, that's Debbie Bliss sitting there. I guess I kept questioning it in my mind because I figured that if I was ever fortunate enough to happen to see Debbie Bliss in public, she would probably be surrounded by a mob of people, or if I happened to catch a glimpse of her at an event of sorts, like this one, there would be a line out the door to get a chance to even meet her. But it wasn't like that at all. She was just like a normal person sitting at a desk, untangling yarn, like any other knitter. It's very strange, but very laid back and nice. And it was really fun to be able to introduce myself in person, especially after having the opportunity to already talk to her on the phone when I interviewed her for the podcast. The whole experience of TNNA was all very surreal. Although I enjoyed meeting all of these people, I especially enjoyed getting a chance to walk around with and have lunch with my friend, Kate Oates from TotToppers.com. We've been online friends for about a year and a half now, and it was so fun finally being able to meet in person. I had a great time with her, and we have so much in common. So, those are my highlights of TNNA. It's always fun to check out new yarns and products. But getting a chance to meet all of these talented knitters face-to-face was what was truly thrilling. I've been heavily involved in our online community for years now, and it was amazing to finally meet the people behind the names. So for today's episode, I have two yarns to talk about and to share with you. That is Blue Sky Alpaca Sport and Melange. I say that they're two yarns because they have two different names, but they're really kind of the same thing. The melange just comes in heathered colorways rather than the pure solids like the regular sport weight. Now I've mentioned both of these yarns previously on the podcast, since I recently made a sample of my playful striped sweater out of them. Before the sweater, I had not only ever used the yarn before, but I don't think I ever even saw it in real life. Ever since I made the sweater, though, I'm seeing the yarn everywhere. Either many designers discovered this yarn at the same time I did, or it's like that car thing. You know what I'm talking about. Like when you buy a new car and you've never seen the make and model before until you take it off the lot and see that everyone in town has the exact same car. That's probably what happened with the sweater. I started noticing the yarn after working with it myself. Now I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with 100% alpaca, but I did really enjoy this yarn. 
It's a very, very soft two-ply baby alpaca that is spun up in a very squishy sort of way. The only beef that I have with this yarn is that I don't know quite what to call it. The company is called Blue Sky Alpacas, and this is their alpaca yarn. So do I say Blue Sky Alpacas Alpaca? Seems kind of redundant and weird. I don't know. But anyways, moving on. As far as alpaca yarns go, this one's very nice, but I think that what makes it truly special are the beautiful colorways available. I love the color palette that Blue Sky Alpacas offers for their yarns, and I especially enjoy the fact that this alpaca is available in many beautiful autumn and neutral colors, which are the colorways that I always gravitate towards. And I'm completely partial to the melange because I love the heathered colorways especially. But I'm also finding that when you mix the melange with the true solids in the sport in a striped project, that looks really good as well. This is what I did for my playful striped sweater. I used the sport for the body and the melange for the striped yoke. And I love the way that turned out. Two other patterns out there that combined the heathers and solids are the Men's Striped Vest Pattern by Melissa Labar, which is a new pattern for Blue Sky Alpacas and is very nice, and also the pattern Ida's Kitchen Hat by Kirsten Kapoor, who you will be hearing from later on in this episode. I think that both of these projects appeal to me because they show off the colors of the alpaca very nicely, and you can also see how nicely the colors complement each other as well. Especially in the Ida's Kitchen Hat pattern, since it uses so many colors together. I should mention that it's a very slouchy striped hat that uses a chevron stitch pattern. Very cute. You must go look. I'll provide a link in the show notes. I immediately gravitated towards this hat pattern as soon as I saw it pop up on Ravelry. It's such a fun, colorful hat. If I was to make it for myself, I would probably go with a more neutral combination but I really do enjoy the color combo that Kirsten went with in the original sample. I can't stop dreaming about the blue sky alpacas, um, alpaca colorways I would pair together for this. I'm kind of kicking myself right now because I had all the scraps left over from my playful striped sweater, which would have been perfect for this. But in the effort of trying not to be an obsessive yarn hoarder, I returned all of the half-used skeins to my local yarn shop owner, who provided the yarn for the sample in the first place. She told me I could keep the leftovers, but no, I gave them back. Oh, the regret. Oh well, it's not exactly like I have time to knit this hat right now anyways, with those five patterns I have to publish before February and all. But if I was going to make this hat right now, my first choice would be to use the alpaca for the, all of the reasons that I've previously mentioned and for the fact that I think it would provide a very nice drape to the fabric. But also, on the other hand, this hat would be perfect for using up scrap yarns or even for a self-striping yarn if you don't want to bother with switching colors. But what I think would be super fun is getting a whole bunch of the Blue Sky Alpaca in coordinating colors and knitting up several hats. You could use all of the same colors in each hat, but stripe them differently. 
This would make really fun presents for a family of girls, don't you think? All of the hats would go together, but not be too matchy. I think it would be a super fun and entertaining project. If only I had more time, I would totally do that. So, if you listening are obsessed with knitting up Ida's kitchen hat as much as I am, or just interested in trying a skein of the Blue Sky Alpaca yarn, you'll be happy to know that this episode's sponsor, Dancing You Yarns, is offering a special discount just for the Never Not Knitting listeners and blog readers. You can receive 15% off the entire selection of Blue Sky Alpaca's yarn, not just the yarns I've mentioned, until February 15th. All you need to do to receive your discount is enter in the special code NNK in the checkout process. Dancing You Yarns has an excellent selection of both melange and sport with many colors in stock. So go check it out and see what I'm talking about. Beautiful colorways, seriously. In addition, the shop offers six other varieties of Blue Sky Alpacas yarn, so you have a lot to choose from with the discount. Kathy from Dancing You Yarns has contributed three skeins of Blue Sky Alpacas melange for this episode's drawing giveaway to get you started on your own Ida's Kitchen hat and Kirsten Kapoor was kind enough to provide a copy of her hat pattern to the drawing prize, along with a copy of her new sweater pattern called the Washington Square Cardi. Of course, as always, I'll be posting all drawing details on my blog within the week so that you can enter to win these fabulous prizes. If you aren't yet familiar with the design work of Kirsten Kapoor, I invite you to go check out her site at www com. Her designs are seriously gorgeous, and she is very good at pairing her work with beautiful yarns that really showcase each piece. She is also so insanely prolific. I swear, every time I turn around, she is releasing a new pattern. Seriously, she has so many great designs out there. Her Ravelry design page is three pages long and her work has appeared in books such as Brave New Knits, The Joy of Socks, and Knitting It Old School. I personally really enjoy her work, as I'm sure many of you listening do too, so I thought it'd be great to have Kirsten on the podcast. So, as promised, this episode's knitting story was contributed by THE Kirsten Kapoor, and it's entitled, Keep Your Hand Knits Close cautionary tale. Hand knits are meant to be worn. As a designer, I know in the back of my mind that it probably isn't a good idea to parade around in my samples. However, in my customary careless way, I suppress such thoughts. Up until recently, I was very lucky. The only piece of knitting I had ever lost was a cashmere swallowtail shawl. It was four, maybe five years ago that I left it in a cab. That pattern wasn't my own design, but I had worked 80 bajillion nups in lace-weight cashmere for that shawl, so the loss was painfully felt. Lesson learned. I imagined myself to be wiser and more careful now. Not so. About three weeks ago, my husband and I, along with our very good friends, the Burks, went out to a local jazz club for dinner. A lace shawl is part of my 
girl out on the town uniform. And on this night, I happily wrapped my newest shawl design, Coleus, around my neck. As we walked into the restaurant, the owner offered to check our coats. Since I was still chilled from the December night, I kept Coleus to warm my shoulders. When we were led to our seat, I hardly noticed the man seated on the bench next to me, who moved his coat out of the way to make room. We sipped wine, enjoyed lively conversation with our friends, and listened to the music. When our food arrived, I took Coleus off and carefully put it on the bench next to me. Although I am pretty comfortable using chopsticks, hand-knits dangling from one's neck and messy Chinese food are not a good combination. As the evening wound to a close and the musicians played their last song, I reached for my shawl to get ready to leave. There was nothing there. I stood up and looked at the seat. Nothing. Under the table? Under the chairs? Nothing. Nothing. Coleus was gone. There was a bit of panic lurking deep in some neglected part of my brain, but I am an optimist. Surely the shawl would turn up. When they cleaned up after everyone had gone home, the restaurant's kind owners, Dave and Martha, would find it. Or perhaps the man seated next to me had scooped Coleus up along with his coat, and upon discovering his mistake, he would return it. I let Dave and Martha know about my loss and went home. A day went by, and no call from the restaurant. I phoned and spoke to Dave, but nothing had been found. I am only now coming to accept that I won't see Coleus again. Just this morning I added, re-knit Coleus to my to-do list. After such tragedy with Coleus, a smarter knitter would learn. But I am hard-headed, and I love to wear my knits. On the 22nd of December, as I packed for a very special family trip to Florence, I filled my suitcase with several hand knits. Among them was the stocking that my mother had made for me the year I was born. I have never had a Christmas without this stocking. Just looking at it brings fond memories of my childhood. Along with my stocking were those of my three kids, also knit by my mom. My husband's stocking, knit by his mother when he was a baby, my Roma shawl, and in my daughter Isabella's suitcase, one of two versions of my newest hat design, Ida's Kitchen. This version had just come off the needles and had not even seen a camera yet. Our trip to Florence was wonderful. Hand knits were happily worn, stockings stuffed, delicious Italian food was consumed, and we took in as much of the glory of Florence as five people possibly can in five short days. I even managed to find a yarn store and treated myself to a 100-gram skein of decadent Italian cashmere. We heard that New York had been hit by a blizzard, but from so many miles away, it just didn't seem like such a big deal. I've lived in the New York City area most of my life. I had seen that city deal with worse. We assumed that since we were flying in a full day after the storm had ended, that it wouldn't impact our trip too much. We thought that at worst, our flight would be canceled, and we'd spend an extra day in Italy. <laughs> Not such a big sacrifice. I should have known that this wasn't going to be a smooth trip when the needles that I had brought for my travel knitting were confiscated at airport security. The agent watched as I carefully pulled the needles out of my half-finished sweater, stitch by stitch. 
When I handed them to her, she put them around her neck and did a little dance. I imagine her now, sitting by a fire in her lovely Tuscan cottage, happily knitting with my precious 32-inch size 7 Addy Lace needles. Still blissfully ignorant of what 20 inches of snow actually means for air travel, we were pleased when our flight took off, a mere 20 minutes late. Even our pilot was hopeful. One runway was opened at JFK, he said, and they expected more to open while we were in flight. The air time for a return flight from Rome to JFK is almost 10 hours. That's plenty of time to move a little snow out of the way. I'll spare you the details, but 17 tedious, claustrophobic, knitting-deprived hours later, we finally got off the plane. It was 2.30 or 3.30 as we entered the baggage claim. Among throngs of frustrated, exhausted people were piles of unclaimed bags and sleeping families who had obviously been waiting for endless hours for their luggage. We joined a crowd of angry, tired people surrounding an airline employee who was trying to keep the peace as he explained that there was no one available to unload the baggage from our flight and that our luggage would be heading back to Rome that night. Amid this crowd, and easily a head taller than the rest, stood the actor, Alec Baldwin, who had suffered the same grueling seventeen hours, roughing it in the first-class cabin of our flight. The airline employee handed out sheets of paper and instructed us to fill them out with the information about our bags and where they might be able to contact us when or if our bags were found. My suitcase, filled with precious yarn and beloved hand knits, was lost in the chaos of post-blizzard baggage claim. As we walked empty-handed out of the airport in the wee hours of the morning, we spotted a very disheveled and angry-looking Alec Baldwin trying to hail a cab, luggageless. I wonder, was he smart enough to put his hand knits in a carry-on? Thank you again, Kirsten, so much for sharing your story with the podcast. Now, if you poor listeners are sitting there shocked in silence while frantically grasping your precious handnets out of fear, like I was when I first heard this story, you'll be so relieved to find out that Kirsten just emailed me to tell me that her luggage was finally returned to her and that all of her handnets were accounted for. She says she has learned her lesson and will be putting her handits in a carry-on bag in the future. So, if any of you listening have a knitting story that you would like to contribute to a future episode of Never Not Knitting, please email me. I'm always looking for news stories to share. Again, the show notes for this episode and all episodes of Never Not Knitting can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry under the name of Never Not Knitting. And you can email me if you'd like to contact me. And my email address is nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, that's about it for episode 48. I hope you enjoyed today's show and that you will join me back February 1st for another great episode and knitting story. Until then. She
won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking from morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. Stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for she just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl The house is burning up in flames Call 911 Her husband says Get up, let's go But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.